Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode number 18 of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by my Facebook business page checklist. Having a website is no longer enough of a digital presence for your business. You also need to be on social media, and most importantly, you need to be on Facebook. Whether you're brand new to Facebook or a veteran, it's important to ensure that you're leveraging your Facebook business page optimally. More and more people are finding your business on Facebook over search, and you want to be sure that you're making the best first impression regardless of where they find you first. So head over to megbrunson.com slash Facebook page and download the free Facebook business page checklist that will allow you to optimize your Facebook presence in just a few minutes. Now, let's start the conversation with today's guest. For almost 15 years, she has been helping countless professionals and businesses to up their game, specifically in sales and leadership. With a high dose of expressive energy and emotional intelligence, she brings out the best in those around her through transformative coaching, speaking, and writing. You can find her latest book on Amazon entitled You're Leading Now, which helps leaders coach their own teams to achieve the big vision. Living in Scottsdale, Arizona with her husband and three kids, she enjoys cooking, working out, watching her kids get it, and spending time with lots of extended family in the area. All right, guys, it's time to talk leadership with my friend, Tiffany Timmons Saab. Hey, Tiffany, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Meg. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here too. And you're somebody I know in real life. So it's kind of cool to be welcoming you to the podcast to talk about you and your book. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. So tell me, before we jump into the book, can you give me a little rundown on your professional history? You know, what did you do that led up to writing your first book? Well, Meg, thank you so much for having me on today. And I'm really looking forward to sharing how this book came about because number one, I think it is one of the best ways that we can get our messaging out. So whatever field anybody is in who's listening to this, kind of seeing how it's developed and really how, I won't say easy, but how undifficult it can really be to get something published and out there. Because I've been told for years by my mentors, you need to start creating your own content. And I couldn't write. Like literally I would sit down to write and there were things in my head, but when I tried to get them on paper, they just, they looked awful. And I would read them back and I knew that it just wasn't anything that was really worthwhile uh, for somebody to read. So I've been in, uh, to answer your first question though, I have been in coaching and training for leadership and sales 
and presentation skills specifically for the last 12 plus years. Um, I owned a business before that. I did a lot of motivational speaking with high school students. And then my background in corporate was sales and negotiation. So I had a really good schooling in that before I went out on my own business. And the book, though, came about because I was working with so many leaders in business, but we were having a hard time. And I say this with all the love and respect for people I've worked with. We were having a hard time getting their leaders and their team to read books. So we might get through one book and then everybody's just busy. So you either have people who are in the camp of really voracious readers. I mean, look at my bookshelf. I, have a whole, I love to read. And anybody who says a book, I'm always out buying it and, and reading it. But a lot of people aren't that way, yet they still needed to get the same information that are in all these books behind me. So I started taking the concepts that were in these books that I knew worked in leadership and putting them into rhyme. My book is totally different than anything that you've seen out there on leadership because it's written in rhyme. It uses rhythm and visuals. And that's how it was born. So no, I couldn't sit down and write because really it wasn't my gift. But my gift came out in a different way when I let it come out and I followed it. That's awesome. So what drove you to start your own business? I'm wondering. Like that came before the book, right? Absolutely. Yes. That was long ago. And then did the book cause you to stop focusing on your coaching business or are you doing both together? Doing both together. Okay. Because the ideas from the book come from the interaction with people. and. In the book, every verse, every rhyme has a story behind it where I was working with somebody and they had, they had a challenge going on. And I'll just share one with you quickly because I want people to walk away with some ideas. But I was coaching somebody who had some very challenging conversations to have. Now, whether that's with a spouse, that's with a child, that's with a teacher at school, it's with an employee you have, it's with your boss or manager. We go into a lot of conversations where the emotions run high. So the rhyme that went around that, that we continue to work through is dig for solutions, empathetic to feelings, but don't let attitudes run away with the dealing. And it works because so many times people's attitudes will foggy up the conversation. But if we can keep, keep focusing on solutions, what do we need to do? And be empathetic to somebody's feelings. I've coached people to say, you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Well, they didn't want to say they were sorry for what they did because they didn't think it was wrong to hold somebody accountable or to ask them to do something in a professional, uh, in the professional world that they were in. But we did want to recognize that person's feeling. So for a, a manager to be able to, a business owner to say to his, one of his VPs, you know, I'm sorry that you feel like I'm getting in your way. You know, even though his mind, he's thinking I'm not, but you feel that way. So that recognition of her feelings helped them to come to a place where they could then find solutions together. And we didn't let any of the, those attitudes that we have take over in the conversation. We've got a formula for that conversation. If any of your listeners want that, be happy to get that to them. So that's where that came about. But I started my business because I owned a preschool. Uh, part-time. I mean, I, I had a business partner in it and I was just supposed to be doing the marketing and the finance after I got my MBA. We started that. I was doing sales and healthcare contract negotiations. That was my full-time job. I taught competitive dance because that was my background in college and I loved it. I was doing motivational speaking with high school students. And guess what? I ran myself ragged and I know so many entrepreneurs that do this. I ended up in the hospital with pneumonia on Christmas Eve. Oh no. 
Now this was way before I had kids, but I had to reevaluate some things. And I thought I'm doing all these different things. And I think it's important though, because I see so many people doing that themselves. The problem is they weren't all going in the same direction. So I had four different roads I was trying to travel in that were all taking me different places. And I reevaluated at the appropriate times. I sold the preschool to my partner. I stopped the competitive dance teaching because you know, physically it was getting harder and harder to do and stopped the motivational speaking. And then eventually left my corporate nice job where I made a great paycheck to go out on my own. And I started with the Zig Ziglar organization, if anyone's familiar with Zig. So I got certified through him and his programs. And then I continued um, to build up my arsenal of certifications. And that's not a, Hey, this is great. It's that they've always learned other ways to help people get what they want in their businesses. Now, in, in as much as you're comfortable sharing, do you, have you met or replaced or approached? Like how has your income compared to at your corporate job? Cause I'm sure it was a pretty significant mm-hmm. drop down initially, but have you rebuilt some of that um, income up? At times, yes. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> no, but my life changed. So you know, my decision at that point was I was single and I might as well go after what I want to go. And I always wanted to be a motivational speaker and help people to do more and, and realize their own potential that they have deep down. We just got to hone it and bring it out. And I was doing that when I was teaching dance. You know, I was working with um, a lot of high school students in middle, uh, middle school and helping them realize their potential. So I wanted to do that in the professional world and marry that passion to help people do better with the professional experience and skill set that I was working to develop. For a while there, I did get close to it. I don't think, it's funny that you asked that, I don't think I ever hit that level. And that was okay because it was different now though that I was on my own and uh, taxes were different and you know there were a lot of different factors in there. So that just wasn't your, that wasn't your measure of success anymore. Right, right. No, it wasn't my measure of success. No, I still need to take care of myself. I had a mortgage. I had a lot of responsibilities and certainly I had the philanthropic, uh, the, philan- the philanthropic ideas that I wanted to help pursue and to give to. So that all was certainly um, important, but I didn't have to get to that level because I was fulfilled in many other ways. I didn't leave work mad. I, I would leave work and, you know, the first call I'd make is to my mom. And after a while, I thought, I said, I have to stop calling you right when I leave work because I'm just angry. I'm angry at my underwriters, my assistant, my manager, my teammates, because no one's doing what they're supposed to be doing. So uh, there was a little bit of mindset shift I had to make as well in that position. So I haven't made it back up to that corporate level, but have replaced it enough at certain points. And then it took other dives when my kids were born. Um, I did have to step back. And then also I went into a part-time mode more where family was first. And I had three kids in three years. So my oldest turned three and then 10 days later, my third was born. And then there was one in between the two of them. So those out there who've gone through that, they know how it, how it takes over. And in our family, it was decided, my husband and I, that I would take that role on of caretaking and, and, and doing that at home. And that was the vision that we had for our family. But I also needed to get back out. And I thought I was going to stop working. And I, some clients came back to me and they said, you're not going to really not work, are you, Tiffany? There's no way that you aren't, you're not missing this. And so I really was invited to get back in and continue working with clients. And then that's where the book came from. That's great. And then 
how did you keep that balance? Like, do you, what's the biggest trap, you know, that, that we can fall into as a family in business? And then how did you get yourself out of that trap? Biggest trap. I, is there's, there's so many little ones around the way. And I think that would almost have to be it. There are little ones. There's not one big trap that we can fall into, but there are a lot of little ones. I mean, I have not pursued my professional career as much as I would if I didn't have a family. And and that's okay. So I think it's understanding that there are exchanges you're going to make in order to have other pieces. Um, one thing that I'm very passionate about is family dinner. So it takes a lot for me to, uh, maybe it's for some people, it's very easy, but for me, it takes a lot to meal plan, buy the right groceries, cook the dinner, you know, and maybe I miss out on a conference call that I want to want to attend or a webinar because I want to continue learning. And maybe I don't get on that webinar because my kids are with me and I'm cooking dinner. And that's my, that's my main focus. So I think it's understanding really what is your vision and then making your decisions match that vision. In my book, step one is start with vision. This guides your decisions and keeps you focused to stay on your mission. So when you know your vision, your actions are going to start to follow that. It's going to align with it and make sure that it supports it. So I think the biggest trap is is falling into a lot of little traps sometimes and chasing the wrong pieces, thinking that's going to bring balance. It's really just focusing on the three most important things and that progress to keep moving forward in those areas is what I found to be. Not that I'm the uh, expert in it, but we're all living it. And I'm always, I always like to hear what others have to share because you never know where that little tidbit's going to make a difference for you. Well, I love that you're sharing little snippets from the book and I know it's your book, but it's still like, wow, you have them all memorized. (laughs) I have them memorized because I have read them so many times and I just recorded an audio book for it. And that's the point, though. That's why it's written in rhyme, because we can remember it. So, yes, I remember it, but, you know, I, I have clients who are starting to remember it, and my kids are starting to remember it because they're hearing it so much. You know, that rhyme and rhythm is really important. And if we played a song that you haven't heard in 10 years, you'd probably remember it because, you know, when I hear pour some sugar on me, I know exactly where I was at the roller rink and what we were singing. But you remember so these you remember these songs because there's a rhythm and a rhyme to it. And that's what this book does for any type of leader, whether they are leading their family, they're leading their business, they're leading a charitable organization. These steps are going to work the same. And they've, I know you mentioned your kids starting to remember them. It, it seems like they'd be good for kids too. Cause even if your intent is not to make your child necessarily a, they don't have to lead the playground, you know, but it's not a bad skill to have kind of like teaching my kids entrepreneurship. Like I don't expect them to match my income. Like it's, it's not about that. It's about the process. I feel like it's gotta be great for the kids. And, and that's also talking about rhyming. I mean, that's why all the kids like learning things are all rhyming. Like you don't say the ABCs, you sing them. Yep. There's a reason. I mean, I, I'm not a teacher, but it would make sense that that rhyming and that repetitiveness and that that's what helps you remember things. So that's great. No, it absolutely doesn't. That's why the idea came about 
I was reading, the, I was actually reading my kids, uh, Oh, the Places You Will Go. And I think it was one of those days they asked me to read it. I'm not kidding, 20 times. And I was about to just scratch my eyeballs out from it. And then I was looking at a training I was preparing for a group of leaders and it, it literally came out in a day. This book, I couldn't write fast enough the ideas that were coming to my mind and how they were going to organize into steps that somebody could follow. Now, this is what I want to share with people who are working on projects, though. It took a day for me to write probably about 80% of it. It then took two years to get it to look like this with all the illustrations and all of the pieces that needed to tie it together in a professional manner. So keep going. If you're working on a project, though, and you think, oh, my gosh, I just can't go any farther. Keep going. There were times when all of a sudden I kept getting back that it wouldn't download. The the illustrations were in too low of uh, DPI. I didn't really understand what that meant, but it was telling me that it wasn't going to print nicely. And I just about, I was ready to just quit. I thought I can't do it anymore. I can't go back to the illustrator again. Um, I've spent so much on this now and, and that's it. Like you step back and you think, well, yeah, you have spent a lot of time and money and that's why you have to figure it out and keep going. (laughs) This isn't the time to stop, but that progress, uh, you know, as long as you keep making steps and going in the right direction, it, it's going to be okay. I feel like that's a great lesson to learn out of the whole process. I never, I never would have assumed that it was a two-year project. And that's not to say that it's not good, of course. That's not what I mean by it. That's incredible. It is. It's a really long, it's a long step. Now, there were times when maybe a month I didn't work on it where I thought, oh, it's fine. But then I'd go back and I'm like, no, it's not fine. It needs to be better. And, you know, I really, when I'm working with people, I encourage them not to worry about being, don't be a perfectionist in anything you're doing because it's never going to get done. Um, Not maybe there are some people who can, but again, 80% of us, we got to just get things done and move forward. And if it's, I love the 80, 20 rule. If it's 80% good enough, move forward. I mean, mean, don't, don't stop. You know, when I do dinner, if 80% of us eat the dinner I cooked, it's a victory. Wow. I, I should share that with my husband today. Because, <laughs> oh, so with four kids, how many people need to eat? Um, <laughs> so four and two, you're at six. Yeah, you know, if you get five, if you get, you know, four to five to eat, you're, you're good. Especially the meal that you cooked. You know, that's right. the, now it's 100% happens. Let me tell you, like we, ha- I knock some balls out of the park with our dinners. Um, doesn't happen all the time, but you know, when it does, that is like one of the best feelings that I can have where we sit down and we talk about the day and we eat, um, that, that, that's magic. That's a magical moment for me. And again, though, but if 80, 20, if we get 80 to eat, that's, that's the best. It's good. Keep going. You're doing great. Right. Doing great. And record it. I record everything that I eat. I keep track of it. And what was a successful meal? Hmm. Now, are those are those things that you learned in business, or do you apply them in business? Like, I'm wondering what came first. Oh, great question. Well, I'm actually in the process of getting together. Um, I'm working on the name, but I want to do some type of family dinner project because of the value of family dinner and what it has on our relationships. Now we can communicate, and how we learn to communicate that ultimately is going to affect business. And so much of what I do in business is about communication. It's about how people perceive you, um, how you get them to take action. And guess what? That's learned at the dinner table. And where are you most times? You're with your family. And that's where you're going to get grounded in values. 
and understanding what's important and understanding how to make decisions. So the family dinner to me is a, that's the golden nugget, like, or that is the, the oil field that we have that we get to dig into and we start getting that oil and that's going to pay off so much for our children when they have that time together as a family. There was a survey done and they asked people, or it was a video that I saw and they were asking people, well, kids, if you could have dinner with anybody, who would it be with? And you wouldn't believe who they said. Their first response was, does it have to be somebody famous? And the person narrating said, no. And they go, well, I'd want to have it with my whole family. I want to be with mom and dad. I mean, the kids want to be with their parents and the parents can give their kids so much beyond just our basic needs and really help them to grow and mature and realize their potential. It's going to happen around the dinner table. So I want to encourage that because it does go along with what I teach in business. So uh, your question about, did I learn that from business? Um, I did. One of my pages here, and this is probably one of the most important things that I like people to take away, but it's celebrate success as long as you go, seeing what's done, watch how it grows. So if we want to get better at anything, I think a lot of times we live in this to-do list and we get burned out on our to-do list. But if we can start shifting and living in what we do accomplish, it's going to motivate us so much more when we can take a look and see what we have done. When I look back through, um, and, you know, business aside, I look back through the meals that I've cooked and I go, oh gosh, you know what? Like hundred percent ate that. And I haven't cooked that in a year. Well, if I didn't see it, I, I wouldn't remember it just off the top of my head. So when you can keep track of these things and in business, keeping track of the things that are most uh, important to you. Uh, some of the things are really important to me and, and, you know, I don't do it all the time, but it's having that quiet prayer time each day. And I've started tracking that, which days I do it. And then, Hey, how's my mindset? And you, you see how those things start to tie together. And, and I know when I do it, I feel better, but when it's written down in black and white, we know that we have to write down our goals. And when you write down your goals, your chances of, of accomplishing them go up drastically. But are we taught to write down what we're actually doing? And not living off that to-do list. Because then a lot of times people say, well, I don't want to write down a goal because what if I don't accomplish it? So what? You didn't accomplish a goal. Let's put down another one and let's keep going. But what did you accomplish? And when you can start to write down your progress, you're going to be so much more motivated and focused, again, back on that vision mm -hmm. to take those steps and make decisions to support it. I love that. I love all the ways that business and family intersect and overlap. I mean, that's obviously how this podcast came to be, but it makes so much sense. And I, I, I don't apply as much of the business concepts to my family life as I should, you know, and sometimes conversations like this are just that reminder that I don't want to say your family, like they don't have to be treated exactly the same. You know, I, I definitely believe family should it's be a, a little more. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I've never thought about tracking meals or, or things like that and, and seeing how that impacts because food is a stressor in my house. I mean, I've got mm -hmm. some picky eaters and they learned from the best. <laughs> okay. Like I've got many memories of uh -huh. being told that I wasn't leaving the table till my food was done and putting my head down and falling asleep because it wasn't going to happen. So mm -hmm. they've learned from the best. Um, well, congratulations. That, that's <laughs> great that you get to uh, feel that back. 
But it's it's hard because, you know, you want the kids to be healthy and, you know, you want that time to not be stressful. And, you know, I remember it. And this is no, you know, knock in my my parents. But I remember dinner time to be a stressful time because I didn't like a lot of food. And it wasn't, you know, I don't know why I I liked what I liked or didn't like what I didn't like. But um, I like that. Logging it, keeping track of things. Like maybe we could even find some other patterns or you know, maybe if we give them milk instead of juice or, you know what I mean? Like different mm-hmm. things like that. So, no, I love that. I love that concept of planning things out and learning from it. And gratitude journals are something I've heard a lot about, which sounds pretty consistent with writing down the steps you're taking. And that's something I'm implementing right now is mm-hmm. setting the goals. And then at the end of the day, I have um, a separate scheduler, a calendar, basically, where I'm writing down what I did in each area. So I've got my marketing business, I've got the podcast and that stuff, my family, like I've got a couple of different little projects I'm consistently working on. And my goal is to write something down in each spot. Like this is what I did for this and this and this. And um, like you said, it's not about, oh, I met the goal. It's, oh, I worked towards the goal. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, I'm going to be done working towards it. I'll review it. And and I love the 80-20. I hadn't heard that. When I think of that, I think of social media posting. But okay. um, <laughs> but I like I like that. If it's 80% done, release it. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to this concept that I was taught. And I, I've mentioned before on the podcast about how you can't correct until you fail or until you at least try. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to put that 80% good enough thing out there. So you can get feedback so you can find out if there's anything that needs to be corrected. Absolutely. Taking taking some of that risk, I guess. And that's what happened with the book. I put it out there to almost a finished point. I'm like, okay, I got to pull it back. There's a lot of things that uh, need to be tightened up and really taken to another level for professionalism. But you don't know unless you, and that's probably what you see with social media. People are hesitant to do anything because they let fear put them back instead of put it out there and then... right. Yeah, you got this big fear of, oh, people won't like it or they'll judge it or we well, don't even know because you haven't put anything out there. I mean, even just from a business standpoint, like there's so many people I know who are like, yeah, I'm thinking of starting a business. Well, what is it? Uh, I don't know. No, like own it. You have, if you don't tell people what it is, like you, you have to just rip the bandaid off and, and share your ideas so that you can get feedback. There's some crazy businesses out there. Oh my gosh, are there ever? I am amazed when I hear about uh, when we're you know whether we're at the chamber luncheons or uh, I'm online and I see what people are doing. I think this is so brilliant. You know why can't I think like this? I mean, people are they're blowing my mind. I feel like the the craziest one, and you know I'll I'll call it out for what it is. Back from New York, there was there's actually a business, and she she hugs like you can cuddle with her. <laughs> And it's not like it's clear all over the website that it's cuddling only. Mm-hmm. And that's literally her business. And it, it, wow. it made news circles because it's it's out there. Um, but like if you can make a business cuddling, like you really can whatever you're interested in, there is somebody else out there. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of finding those people. But you're never going to make it if you can't even you have to just tell people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like I said, lots of great ideas and, and thoughts. What would you say though? You know, I've got my book too. And what, 
if you could pick like the one thing, you know, that somebody would walk away from after reading or walk away with after reading the book, what would like the number one thing be? Well, at the sound of, at the, at the risk of repeating myself, I think it's really going to be about celebrating your progress along as you go, seeing what's done, watch how it grows. And I have one other quote in here. So if people buy the book in the back is a bonus think book and it's full of some motivation, some, some quotes that are really going to get you thinking because it all starts with how you think and what your mindset is towards something. Um, Matthew Kelly wrote, and I love this in the back, I wrote this. Celebrating progress is fundamental in the psychology psychology of change. So if you aren't celebrating progress, and in order to celebrate, sometimes you have to track it because the progress might be small. It's okay. if It's progress and you're moving forward. And I just saw a quote from Martin Luther King this morning. It's recording this on ML King Day, but it said something to the effect, and I won't get it exactly right, but if you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. If you can't crawl, do everything you can to keep moving forward. You know, and these dreams that people have, it's keep moving forward with it. Somebody out there has a has help for you to help you move forward. And, and when you feel like you're all alone and you can't do it, there is somebody out there. We live in a community. There is somebody who can help you continue moving from point A to B to C to D and, and go down. You might not be A to Z, but you don't need to be A to Z right away. It's it's B to C to D. And you, and you just keep going and, and finding those and finding having that solution-minded mindedness and focus. Really, if, if people take that away, then I would be ecstatic. And I learn a lot of things from my kids. And one of the things that reminded me of my daughter, my oldest joined the cross country team this year. Mm -hmm. And, um, she really wanted to do well, you know, but she finished like 30th and she wasn't last, but kind of in the middle. And she would get up early and she'd run every morning. Like, like she was really trying and she never got better than 30th. And, And the numbers probably changed, like the number of people who competed. But like, ironically, she was always between 30 and 33, no matter how many people ran. Hmm. And um, I'm like, well, do you know who you beat? Me. Because I, I wasn't even out there. Like, it, and it's that concept of you just being, just trying. Mm-hmm. You're already winning. Like, you're, all, you're already giving yourself more opportunities than, than the people who aren't trying. So I think it's the same concept, baby steps moving forward. I mean, I love that too. And the other thing is to remember that we, in the short term, we overestimate what we can get done and we underestimate what we can do in the long term. That's why I really want to encourage people to get off of these to-do lists. I mean, you need a list sometimes of what you're going to do, but to not focusly, not to continuously just focus on that list. Because right. it just keeps your head far down. But if you have the vision, remember step one is start with vision. The steps and the decisions you make are going to be different when your head's up than when it's down on that to-do list. No, and it makes a lot sense. there to take in because it works on your life. I mean, I have, and I have a vision board that I keep in my closet. And one of the things I have is a picture of a family and it's the grandparents. And then it's got the their kids and their grandkids, and then they're all on the lawn together. And that to me is where I want to go with my family. I want my husband and I to be there with 
our kids and our grandkids all together and, and close and supportive of each other. And it fuels decisions that you make that otherwise might not align with it if I put something first for myself at a time when it shouldn't be. I'm not saying that shouldn't be at certain times, but you know, there are times when it's not, it's not going to be if it is towards this bigger vision and the decisions that we make and where we invest our time are going to, they're going to show up eventually and what they show will tell what you've done and what decisions you made. I feel like that's on point. That's amazing. I, I've read the book. I love it. I feel like you've dropped a lot of really great quotes and ideas here that it's good. I feel like it's an episode though, that people are going to have to go back to and re-listen to. Like, I don't know. A lot lot came out today. Yes. I didn't expect it to, but um. I don't know if, if everything will fully process, but I think that's a great thing. I mean, we always include show notes. So, I mean, people can go back to the website and actually look at the notes that I personally pull out Mm. of the episode. Um, because I do, I enjoy going back and re-listening. It's funny how many times I listen to these episodes myself, but I go back and I'll re-listen and write notes. And you hear something different, I'm sure. Right. You're in a different place. You know, you're, we're constantly rivers. And so you're always in a different place and you might've heard this, you know, two years ago, but it didn't make sense yet. And then right now, Hey, you know what? My family needs this. It makes sense today. Yeah. So this is just value packed. Um, I know I asked you about, the number one thing from your book. I'm mm-hmm. just curious if there's any other, I ask everybody like what their number one piece of advice is for parent entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. is there any, is there a different piece of advice you might have or would it still kind of be related to the same thing? It could be different. I think when it comes to familypreneurs, your, you know, your lifestyle is different. And, um, you know, but my, my husband's not an entrepreneur, but he has that mindset in what he does. And I think involving your kids is probably going to be the biggest, is the biggest thing in those dinner conversations. We talk about what goes on at his job and we talk about what went on for me and we talk about what went on for them for school. And, you know, recently my daughter said, um, you know, this little girl came up to me and said, I hate you. And my husband first looked and he said, oh, you're going to talk to the teacher. And I said, no, we're going to talk to Soraya about how to handle it. And it's not going to be the last time it happens. But I think where everybody brings to the table what happened to them that day and to discuss it, because we'll talk about things that happened in my business or I was with the client and the kids will start to pick up on things and they'll say, oh, mommy, is that? And they'll, they'll fill in the blank. So not to underestimate what your kids can pick up. And how much you're uh, thinking and really how much your thinking can influence them and sharing that thinking and how you go process information to come to decisions. So the discussions um, with the family and and share it. You know, that's the big thing. You're, You're on your own. Share it with your family. Don't isolate yourself in your office. Take it out there and let them um, engage with it because they're going to shock you with what they, what they get out of it. And they might have like an insight. You never know what it's going to be. Right. And I've seen that. So I definitely support that a hundred percent. Now, one thing I didn't ask is where can people find your book? So I want to, yeah, I want to do a free giveaway. So I've got, um, if they want to go out to Amazon to buy it, it's on Amazon. There is a hardcover and a paperback. There's also the Kindle, but I've just recorded an audio version. So Meg, I would love to give the audio version away to your listeners. 
Um, and they can go onto my website, which is tiffanytimmons.com. And then just in the uh, contact me, say, hey, heard you on Familypreneur or I'm, I'm one of Meg's fans, however you want to say it. And let me get a hold of that audiobook. So I'll, I'll give you the audiobook though for free for your listeners. And then they can certainly go out and buy the book. On That's Amazon. awesome. I feel like the audiobook's going to be so cool. It, it is. And it, and it, you know, I really think once people get the audiobook, um, they're going to want to have the hard copy yeah. too, because it is, this is all designed so that you can actually remember it. This isn't just a leadership book that we read, like, hey, these are great ideas. And maybe I change like 1% or I try. Percent of it. These are things that you can really learn and memorize and then own it. You gotta, you have to own something in order to do it. And you have to have it memorized to own it. And I, you can't see, I mean, this is not all the books I have, you know, behind me, but, <laughs> but I, I do love actually owning a book. Even if I've listened, even if I listen to the audio version, I like to have the actual book. It's almost, it also serves as a reminder. Absolutely. You know, like when you see it, it triggers those thoughts or maybe even just reminds you to go back and listen to the audio version. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff in here that the kids are going to pick up on. And they're more likely to pick up a book than to listen to an audio book, I think. Um, the pictures are cool. We want to hit all kinds of learners. You know, there are people who are visual learners, audio or kinesthetic of doing. And whatever we can do, we want to engage and give people that chance sure. too. And the workbook, the workbook pages are really great in here too. And then, sorry. I'm glad you like it. Yes. And then where else can our listeners find you? I know you mentioned where to get the book on your website. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you on social media, for example? On social media, LinkedIn is the profile that I use the most of and also Facebook. So if you just put in Tiffany Timmons, you'll probably get my uh, married name as well. It's hyphenated Sob. So it's Tiffany Timmons Sob. But if you go into LinkedIn and put Tiffany Timmons, it'll probably pop up um, as well as Facebook. And I'd love to connect with people. I know I'm on your um, your Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So um, I might see some people through there, but certainly I would love to uh, connect. And if anybody's out here in Scottsdale if they, or Phoenix and they want to catch up for some coffee and you know do some networking, I'm completely open to that as well. Please reach out to me. That's great. Thank you so much, Tiffany. I feel like it's been, like I said, value-packed and super Um, relevant for both our families and for our business ventures. So it's been wonderful to have you. Well, I love what you're doing here. And I think this familypreneur is brilliant. Uh, I see it just applying in so many different ways. So Meg, thank you for bringing bringing this concept to us and um, giving us the encouragement and, and so that we can hear what other people are going through as well. Thank you so much. You'll find today's show notes, including links to everything we discussed in today's episode at megbrunson.com slash 18. Last week, we were joined by Anna Seewald. She is the founder of Authentic Parenting, a speaker, author, and parent educator. She also has a very popular podcast called Authentic Moments. She is a mom to a vibrant nine-year-old who doesn't approve of her fashion choices, and today, She is supporting parents around the world by moving away from traditional ways of parenting into a more peaceful and conscious way, by making sense of their past life experiences, healing from trauma, building effective communication, practicing non-punitive discipline, and setting limits with love and kindness. If you missed last week, make sure you go back and give it a listen. Next week, Lisa Zarotny will join me to discuss productivity and organization. 
Through a combination of renewed self-care, personal development, and her own customized organizing and productivity approaches, Lisa took back her own health and sanity and not only changed where her family lived, but how they lived. The process was so healing for her that she knew she needed to help others do the same. In addition to years of organizing and coaching experience, Lisa is a certified life coach and a member of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. She loves inspiring everyone to declutter their lives physically and mentally, which creates space for healing and hope, a topic that parent entrepreneurs can all benefit from, for sure. So don't miss next week's episode. Subscribe to the podcast today, and I'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Did you know that my mom has a Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, and more? Her username is The Meg Brunson. Just about everywhere. You should go follow her.